Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Travis Foray. Guys, what's up? Good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you guys. Are you in the sauna? Just like I am. I do the I do the podcast from the sauna. It's like the place in the house that probably has the worst sound. <laughs> yeah, uh, like it goes and yeah, it's you're like sweaty. Dead and dull. He transfers to a cold plunge mid-show and then back to the sauna. <laughs> Perfect. Skin looks Take, great. Taking cues from Laird. Uh we'll Joe Rogan, Laird. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we're back on the grit. It is July 27th with Chaz Smith, and we have a special guest, Chaz. The most special of all guests. I mean, all our guests are special, but I would say that Travis is as special as any one of them. A Travis Foray, ladies and gentlemen. Two-time guest. Well, Welcome, Travis. Thank you. Guest. Yeah, yeah, second time. That's, that's big for me uh, to, to recur. I'm recurring now. You for those who indeed. for those who don't know Travis Ferre, he is former editor in chief of Surfing Magazine. Uh, under his reign, it was the premier surf magazine in the entire world, and now he is founder, sole proprietor. How many employees do you have at Heron Bummer? Um, if you consider an employee someone that like you know is it contracted to work with us on different projects, <laughs> then then. Hundreds, honestly, we've worked with a lot, but you know, there's, there's a core of us. That's like four that, that, uh, I see daily. I'm going to include the hundreds and, and declare that Travis Foray is the engine that keeps America's economy running. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) We try over here. Independent Uh, 
surf media is the the savior of the global economy. You heard it here first. What is inherent bummer, Travis? Inherent bummer. It's my favorite thing to define. Um, No, you know, it's, I came from magazines, as Chaz said, so I've always got this like editorial curse as part of my life that I like want to have a voice and be doing something. So we have, you know, on our website, we have daily stories that, you know, are heavy in surf, but we kind of venture into music a lot. We venture into like film, like actual film, um, literature, art, culture, um, things like that. We've always strayed, like ever since I, I was at What Youth, we, it's always just been part of my surf experience. And so we kind of share that and bring surfing kind of into those realms. So we do that. Um, we get tapped, you know, throughout the industry to do kind of cool projects um, alongside them. For example, this year we did um, my best one ever, which you might've seen during the Pipe, uh, Pipe Pro um, with Billabong, where we kind of went around and interviewed like 25 of the best pipe surfers and kind of had them like really get a deep dive into their best one at pipe ever. Um, and those played throughout the broadcast. So we'll do projects kind of like that. That's one of my favorites, um, kind of like white label production company, right? Like that is, I think what we've replaced pages in the magazine with to exist instead of selling a page next or a, a banner on our website. You know, we, we now partner with, with the brands to kind of make, projects and i'm pretty like adamant that they make sense and it's a project that like inherent bummer's voice will add to you know we're not just out kind of making cheesy things we hope you know we really you know want it to be good so um we're doing that and then we sell you know products and collaborate with people and um this and next week during the u.s open it's kind of uh why you guys let me come on is to talk about um the inherent bummer surf factory uh, by the sea, which is sort of this Andy Warhol inspired three day festival um, in this big room at Pacific City, like across from the event where we have we build out a set. We interview pretty much anyone in town, which is, as Chaz knows, is everyone um, always been one of our favorite places to accidentally run into each other and then forget everything that's going on. <laughs> um, and, but we, it's kind of like I call it like the bird feeder of the event. Hopefully, you know, when guys aren't surfing, they're over there hanging out. We're going to have installations. Um, we've got support this year um, from Hurley and Captain Finn and a bunch of free drink sponsors like June Chine, 805 and, and all the, the drinks. Um, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to be down there and then come happy hour. We'll have free food and drinks. Um, a band will play around 637 and then we'll cap the night with uh we have like a crazy slate of each night um a new surf film um usually like two or three a night will play right about dark so it's kind of like a little bird feeder of like come hang out and see surf culture in person basically can anyone show up or do you need an invite no nah, no nah, it's anyone can show up we encourage you to uh subscribe to inherent bummer um that might uh, get you something free when you show up if we see your name. But um, you know, you're anyone's open, all ages, come hang out. Last year we did it for one day, um, and we had about 24 hours to plan it. And um, Biolus and Kolohe kind of premiered something, and uh, we had two bands play, and it, it was just so fun and perfect, and just gave everyone like a little central meeting spot, kind of yeah. during the day that rolled into the night, and then everybody kind of went, you know, after the movies and and 
had a great time. So we're going to do that for three days, August 3rd through the 5th um, at Pacific City. It'll be the Inherent Bummer Surf Factory by the Sea. I don't, yeah. You'll see all kinds of stuff <laughs> there. The run, the run of the U.S. Open is the 29th to the 5th. Yeah. yeah, I think it starts Saturday. Like they're starting yeah. the heats out or something. And then okay, so you goes, guys are the last three days of the window. Yeah, it's Thursday, Friday, period. Saturday. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, a, it's super cool just to have somewhere to hang out that's free. You know, like it's for anybody making the trek down there and parking and then walking into the venues, um, to have somewhere to relax and just chill without having to go stand in line at a bar and pay for drinks and all that sort of stuff is a real cool thing. Get out of the heat and all that sort of stuff. So. Very yeah, cool. We'll have a taco guy. I think Ipona, which is like a Costa oh, Mesa yeah. kind of like spot. They'll they'll be serving food one of the days. Um, but yeah, like come around sunset happy hour and everything will be free. You'll see a band and, and like, you know, the lineup of surf movies is pretty crazy. So um, we've got, I'll quickly run through. We've got uh, the first night, Captain Finn is introducing Aton Osborne to their team. Um, they've got this Mexico short. And then Noah Beshin has kind of been like, hiding underneath the radar is finally premiering his kind of full length film. Um, that'll be on Thursday night. Um, Friday night, we got Katie Simmer's new movie, Bell Jar. Um, there'll be a new 2% video and then an 805 uh, full length film on Connor Coffin, Grayson Fletcher and Nate Tyler. Um, and then Lost Surfboards is doing sort of their, it's funny, both both of them, I think, catch the idea at the same time. No one's copying anyone, but it's kind of an obvious idea, but the same thing Chapter 11 guys did with the old boards and, and the new team um, riding them. And Lost is doing something similar that night and premiering that. And then we are premiering Surf Film 2, which you guys had me on last time to talk about Surf Film 1, which was like our kind of throwback homie video so that like you could see groms and current stars surf together and have provide context you know like that was my big thing was like on instagram it's just chaos i don't know what any of these kids surf like i have no idea who's my favorite surfer anymore or coming up style wise so once again we threw them all kind of into a, a video together and you can kind of see everyone surf next to each other so surf film two will come out on saturday night is uh, it going to be we, available after the fact online yeah yeah definitely be on um youtube after a few okay. probably a few weeks after but we'll, we'll premiere it there and okay. um yeah sweet which, which night is uh eric logan attending do you know already or i hope could, all. Could it, could it be i hope night? yeah i hope he's hosting like we'll be doing interviews the whole time oh yeah. are you so you're back i can't I'm wait back. to talk about you, all of this <laughs> if eric logan is there hide your kids hide your wife it's all so obvious Chaz. Yeah. Smith has never done a more thorough journalistic job than he did with the Eric Logan article. I got down to the comments and it was pure praise, which I am so I've never seen on one of your articles before. People are usually criticizing you. They, uh, so they congratulations. I mean, it wasn't the whole point. Like it was a lot of hard yards uh, to come to the conclusion that everyone assumed, right? Like that's what felt like, are you kidding me? I have to work real hard here. I have to call everyone <laughs> to arrive at the place where I started, which is no, nothing firm, but people. We, we, we all kind of know. Well, we, yeah, that he was that he was likely creeping. So likely creeping. <laughs> so uh, 
why don't you go ahead and explain to listeners who haven't read the article what is unconfirmed but the rumor of why Eric well, Logan left. Well written, by the way. Well oh. written, like build up to to yeah, the whole totally. backstory. And a great recap of things that I had forgotten about. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was it, like you took it from the top. Like Eric, I mean, that, and that's the thing too. There was things that I think that maybe weren't public in his story uh, earlier, even though they were public, True. right? Like True. both his coming in as or as Eric Logan Topenberg, which Topenberg was his wife's last name, right? And so oftentimes in the hyphenate last name, the man will put his name last, right? So it'll be, if there's a hyphenate, you know, it would be the Wallace Smiths, say, or what is uh, your wife's last name? Sheehan, Sheehan Foray. Yeah, yep. precisely. Like, uh, And so for Eric Logan to be Eric Logan Topenberg, that's kind of a major feminist call there, right? Like, yeah. upstanding and applauding. But then, uh-oh, where did Topenberg go? Topenberg got dropped. And then also wife and two daughters disappeared, right? They were, I mean, Eric was not shy about his family. They were part of the early narrative. It was the wife that gave him the magic wetsuit of armor and encouraged him to overcome his fear of the ocean and all this, right? Like he was a family man, family presenting, but then all of us, that all went away. And the divorce or the end of that marriage was never publicly really discussed or dealt with, but it happened, right? Like Fair enough, and, yeah. And also the kind of like complete and utter erasure of that family from both Elo's, like I went back through as part of my journalistic due diligence, went back through uh, his ex-wife's feed and saw that, okay, the last time Eric Logan liked a picture on her feed was like in 2019 or something right there, right? Like it was all this, it was everything kind of happened at the same time. Like, so she's gone. You never don't see kids with Eric anymore. That was one thing. And then there was a couple medical issues. One was what was described to me as a stroke uh, that was earlier. And then one that Eric Logan himself, you know, publicized, which was his heart attack. Uh, and so those, there was those two things. And so all this kind of in a buildup to uh, the end of the story, which is more or less, you know, surfer, directly to me somebody with that it happened to and she also or the surfer also witnessed was eric making people feel uncomfortable by inopportune inviting people one for one-on-one -on -one dinner and drinks and not that on the face there's anything wrong with inviting a professional surfer out to one-on-one -on -one dinner or a one-on-one -on -one drink but the it was shared with me that that was that had made people feel uncomfortable. And so I think putting pieces together, there we go. So let's just, over the years, we've heard rumors of that exact thing, right? It's kind of an open secret from people who are on tour that he hasn't violated any WSL or he hadn't violated any direct WSL policy, but he was making people uncomfortable with these unwanted advances essentially is what it was. And you and I had heard directly people's names who he had invited out for private drinks. And they were confused at first. They're like, wait, isn't he married? Or maybe yeah. he got divorced. Nobody was. That was sure. my reaction. Yeah. 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 And so then we figured out, oh, he did get divorced. And this was perfectly timed also with his complete uh, makeover. Transformation. Remember? Transformation. We talked about that on the air when that happened. So it was all timed around, you know, the divorce, which is, personal business. We probably shouldn't have known about it. You know, it's 
no fault of his own to not promote that publicly on his Instagram account that he got divorced. But we start hearing these rumors that like, oh yeah, he is divorced and he's inviting people out for drinks. That's weird. And he drinks, apparently he's a bit of a drinker and these advances had gotten a little bit more aggressive with more drinking essentially, or maybe just more frequent. And God, so, he would do so well at Surf Expo. Like, he would crush. God, he's <laughs> built for it, it sounds he like. It. That's the, I mean, so that was the funniest comment is I thought on the story was somebody said, Eric Logan thought he was in mid 2000s. ASP yes. <laughs> yeah, marketing right. director and Surf Expo just yep. getting anything in other there. than the current iteration of the WSL and the way that they promote themselves. You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. this this is a complete hypocrisy for the ethos of the company to have their front man behaving this way, even if it isn't a violation of policy. Like if Eric walked up to the line and never crossed whatever that policy line was, it still flies in the face of what they promote. Well, and, and that's the thing is I had no, there's a bunch of other rumors, a bunch of other smoke, you know, all over the place around yes. this story, uh, which I very clearly am neither suggesting nor stating. Um, but yeah, like even in like in and of itself, the making people feel uncomfortable, you know, that's what, that's what I know directly from a direct source. Uh, also, Maybe none of this would be any of our business, except for the fact that Eric Logan didn't force his damn face in front of me every day. Eric Logan, yeah. you know, either with or without the WSL's, you know, consent or or direction, both him and Jesse Miley Dyer decided to become the faces of the World Surf League, both of them regularly on Instagram, going regularly to, uh, you know, whatever panel discussions to this, that, and the other thing to really say, look at me, look at me, look at me, right? And so then when the look at me guy all of a sudden disappears and the World Surf League expects you now don't look anymore, right? I'm like, are you kidding me? You're the one who put him up. Either you're the one who put him up or allowed him to be yeah. the face of the brand. And now you're telling me like, shut up, nothing to see here. Like, well, how dare you? And I will say too, over the years that we've criticized a lot of his decisions, it was knowing this information that we're now sharing. And so it might've seemed like we were um, being personally attacking him at times or something like that. When all that we could state publicly was that he was making bad decisions for the business. But now we can reveal to people, we actually did have moral qualms with the way that Eric Logan was behaving within the organization. And that was fueling a lot of our ire that we couldn't share at the time. And it also, by the way, fuels my ire for the WSL because make no mistake, they were aware of his bad behaviors. And even if it wasn't a violation of policy, they're complicit in allowing him to make everybody else feel uncomfortable. And the athletes, you know, it's an open, they can't necessarily get on air or get on Instagram and say, hey, this guy made me uncomfortable because it's a bad look for them. So the WSL as an organization is complicit in letting this behavior happen without tamping it down. Which, and again, with the the way in which he was fired, right? With the tersest one line in, you know, executive firing history, nobody gets that, right? Like it was, Eric Logan has left the company effective immediately. That was it. That is the line he got. So, you know, clearly, clearly there was, and again, don't want to or need to speculate the uncomfortableness making others uncomfortable i think is you know and 
if I ever hear that the facts, you know, mark my words, I will gladly publish them. Like, and I'm still seeking what exactly happened, right? But I think as yeah. Gen C pointed out also, there's very clearly a very strict NDA in place here, just because, you know, I've had people, I, you know, I talked to everyone, I talked to everyone and anyone who I thought even remotely might have some angle. And all I got back from, you know, basically everyone, except, you know, a few who had direct knowledge of seeing things uh, was we, they've never seen the WSL lockdown like this. Everything is, there's leaks all over the place there. So for this to be so tightened down uh, is something in and of itself. Yeah. I've heard there's best friends that one of the best friends knows a lot and won't tell the other best friend. It's yeah. Glad exactly uh, people in this, in this like circle of surf competition, um, which is wild. It's, it reminds me of like, um, you know, like the, the really polished youth group where everybody is like, so put together and there, but there's like something off about, you know, the youth group band leader. Yep. (laughs) And you're like, and you're like, like Mm. you said, dude, it's like, what, they held themselves it's like so high it's, it's those people who always like end up going over the top and like instead of just being like hey we like to ask girls out to dinner we like to go out <laughs> and have drinks we like to it's the people who like hide all of that and then act like the moral high ground is so high that we have to keep an eye on and that's why sometimes when people say things even publicly about anything that maybe you don't agree with at least they're saying it publicly yeah totally. <laughs> out loud and you're like well, I can identify this person as this person. I mean, I yeah. think that's a, that's an absolutely great point in terms of the damage of the wall of positive noise too. the World Surf League, like shutting anything out. I mean, yeah, David Lee scales, you said it, they're complicit in all this, right? For And for not allowing any access, if there was some kind of access, if, I mean, that's what the, you know, as annoying, I guess, as the press can be, like the point is they're poking and uh, you know, turning over rocks and looking at stuff. And if you're, if you are not allowing anyone to look, then bad stuff festers. The World Surf League let Eric Logan fester. And you, by the way, Chaz, it should be stated, reached out to Eric for his comment on this exact story before you printed it. Is that correct? Yes, many times. And uh, Derek had called him, left voice messages, email, and then you know, I gave him four-ish hours, uh, five-ish hours. I texted it with the specific allegation too. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to publish a story. I said to him, uh, I am, you know, as I have it, uh, I have it directly from someone that you were making surfers feel uncomfortable by asking to dinner and drinks would love, dinner or drinks would love to, to have your side, right? So he knew specifically that that's what I had and was welcome to refute. I would have loved to have a conversation with him about it. Yeah. Did, did you your media out? journalism renaissance you're bringing back to yeah. the world that <laughs> we need, I can see us all coming together here. Did you reach out to anybody else in the organization? Yeah, of course. Prodan, uh, you know, who, who else? I mean, Prodan as the chief strategy officer too, I'm putting all of this on directly on his lap as well. Like the way... And again, we've talked about it. I like Dave Prodan as a person. Dave Prodan as a chief of strategy is an abysmal failure. And he's allowed this to fester too. He is he is as big a part of the problem as anyone. But yeah, like Prodan should be the, he knows Prodan has been with the organization since before it was the WSL. He has been there as long as I've been, you know, riding surf. Yeah. Uh, 
Prodan knows me. He he should have some kind of understanding that truth matters. And I said it to him in a text before. I said, hey, look, at truth does matter. And he said, I agree, right? And But clearly he doesn't agree because he has tightened the screws so much on anything as to be, you complicit. know, not only complicit, like he's driving the complicit ship. It would be easy to say like he's working in a broken organization and so there's no way that he could succeed at his job, but he's been within the organization long enough now to where he's a part of the problem. And he, should you know, have he could have jumped ship at any point as everybody or, else did. And or he had major goodwill within the core community yeah. and within the people who've been covering it forever and could have said, hey, look at off the record, but let me massage this a little for you. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, I'm going to give you some information. He used to do. He, he, I yeah. mean, he used to kind of, but looking back, everything he gave was fairly worthless and everything he covered was major, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Well, so did you, first of all, I'm thrilled that we can finally discuss these things on air. So thank you for writing the article that allows us to kind of use as the discussion point. Um, I think the reason why everybody is being best friends, like you said, Travis, are not sharing the story with best friends is money has been paid out at this point. There's two legal parties who were involved. And I think it could have been paid both ways, to be perfectly honest. If the allegation is true and Eric made unwanted advances, that that surfer then took to HR and the WSL decided this is a liability for us. We need to fire Eric. They could have paid out that surfer. Eric could have then said, you have no proof that I did that. This is wrongful termination. And the WSL said, yep, but we know that you are a prop. When you've heard rumors that you've been problematic in the past, we're worried about you being problems in the future. We're going to pay you as well. Both parties want to protect that and they got paid out and that's why they're dead silent. Yeah, I mean, that's is what this it, is. Ziff, is this a Ziff level? Like, is that where it's coming? Like, I don't can't picture. I mean, yes, I can picture Jesse Miley Dyer leading the, the charge on this. No. Er, Emily yeah. Hoffer. This Emily is... Hoffer's the head of HR. Oh, Emily, is, yeah. Was okay. quietly the Wizard of Oz, even while Eric was the front man for the business. She was quietly running, you know, making decisions yeah. for the organization. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think Ziff probably signed off on whatever it was, but wasn't in the day-to-day meetings of what but, what Eric did and when he did it. Emily wouldn't have been in Brazil like on site though. I just mean like when when it was going on in the waiting yeah. period. Like how that here great question. This was command. A, a buddy asked me and so I thought thoroughly through this and I I would imagine that what happened and this is pure speculation got nothing on this but that whatever the incident was got reported to someone got reported to Jesse, I bet. And it was Jesse who probably went to, because Jesse as head of tours and competition and whatever, right? Like that would have been the point where then it would have taken to been taken to HR, I would imagine. And then HR deemed it serious enough to like, and again, I was, I had from a very reliable source that it wasn't just uh, immediate, you know, terminated effectively or terminated effective immediately. It was that and on the next plane out, like, yeah, boom. Well, I could, I could, I think all of those surfers and everybody in the organization has Emily offers contact information. They could have just went straight to Emily. And I think that if Eric did do this, let's say it is a fireable offense. 
that's fine. But I could also see a scenario, not defending Eric, but I could also see a scenario. All the surfers wanted to get rid of Eric so bad. Nobody liked Eric, right? I mean, the, so the, I the could see him cut and all that was he didn't didn't make him any friends. And he makes everybody uncomfortable. I mean, aside from kind of unwanted advances, look at how uncomfortable he makes Felipe Toledo on Instagram. You know, I mean, look at like, him touching surfers' legs. It's like every stand-up peddler. Yeah, in the lineup makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Honest. <laughs> so, so, so I could see that Eric is constantly walking up to the line and maybe not crossing it. And I could see him getting drunk and maybe making a joke sure. to somebody about something and somebody going, I know That's he it. meant that jokingly, but we need to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Boom. Call Emily Hoffer and say, Hey, he was serious when he made this joke. You know, it could completely. be something like that. I mean, and, and again, I completely agree. I have no information about this but the way that everything's so tight yeah money likely changed hands and eric was likely also you know you don't just get fired overnight uh and be like oh yeah cool you know if you yeah i mean for sure there was his contract was bought out at the very least well they were we they even canceled like lineups of interviews that were going to happen with surfers so that nothing slipped even really i heard like 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 surfers were supposed to go on to promote certain things during the webcast and, and like, there's not even taking any risk of just every, all entertainment was uh, all guests canceled. So that's why we got the, the two commentators and no periphery. Which is so weird. It's so weird. Um, well, we were asking last episode, a listener email came in asking like, did Eric even ever love surfing or was this all just a hoax? And I was like, the question is, whether he, you know, is he still watching Medea movies because of his time with Oprah or not? Does he just like go all in when he's in the job and then abandon it? And uh, we got an email from a listener who lives in Manhattan Beach, Eric Logan's neighborhood. And he said, I have the answer. On Sunday, I was surfing two foot north side Manhattan Beach Pier. Around 7.30, I see an image stand up paddling towards where I was under the pier. He gets closer and I realize it's Eric Logan. He sees his buddy, another SUP -er, and Eric raises his paddle over his head with both hands and says to everyone with an earshot, I'm back, baby. Honestly, I couldn't believe how proud he was. I, standed, I stood relatively close uh, to his buddy to see if he was going to ask him about his exit, but it was never mentioned. I saw him catch a small wave straight to the beach, riding the foam, no turns, saw him stumble off the board and trot into the ankle high sh or ankle shallow water. He pulled his leash up to regain his board, paddled back out into the lineup. And I heard him say to his buddy, just like riding a bike. Amazing. So Eric Logan, I mean, I ended the story with this because it's so beautiful, him sweeping again. He ended his World Surf League run uh, having, you know, feeling shame. Like we shamed him to get on a surfboard. Everybody did, but he never liked it apparently. He's just like riding a bike. He's back home sweeping. Yep. Back to standard paddling. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, uh, wow. Chaz, you're what coming a, up. Go ahead. Oh, what an adventure Eric has taken us on. It sure it's was. It was the, the craziest best. era of, of surfing. It was the best. I mean, the bet from the start to the end, it was the best. Yeah. I mean, we've seen so many of these, like, I don't know, corporate takeout, you know, Nike came through for like a decade and had all kinds of like, inside outside people surf people um but eric logan coming from oprah network he did he was something special um and unique <laughs> too and just that like rewashing of wsl's image and branding um 
it's we're in interesting times. We will well, never have another. We won't. Yeah. And I really, we were never um, supportive of this idea with Eric Logan coming in, by the way. We always identified the kookiness of his background of how he was entering and kind of criticized it, but we're still open to see what he wanted to develop and how, you know, look, it might be that he's an expert in business building. And so we would love to benefit from that. So we're going to make fun of you, take your licks, come on in and show us how you do it. Turns out he had none of that either. He drove the business into the ground, had terrible ideas, poorly executed. They ended up getting shuttered year in and year out tarnish sponsor relationships. What I've heard from that side of it is you'll notice that brands are only associated with the WSL for about a year. At the end of the year, they're like, we will never spend money with them again. And what I've heard was it's because the numbers were fudged. They got billed 10 X of what, you know, they were actually what the viewership actually was. And so they're like, this is a joke. So Eric Logan, I think not only did he not execute his job? He left it worse than when he came in. He drove the thing off into a ditch and uh, and then, by the way, made everybody uncomfortable. And now we're left to pick up the pieces, essentially. It's kind of messy too, right? Like right Very. now it's starting to feel like there's pools being built and like weird changes and mid-year cuts and surfers that are like feeling very like uh, whatever about the whole thing, which is like so strange. These people, these guys like love this shit. And they are now lazily like shrugging their shoulders. You ready for some conspiracy? David Lee Scales? Can't wait. Uh, So I heard, heard from someone that, and there's holes in this conspiracy because I don't know why, well, I'll just trot the conspiracy out. Then we can poke the holes in them. Uh, That the plan all along was basically for Eric Logan or not all along, but the last few years was for the uh, for Eric Logan to basically tank the tour. He is so incompetent. He is such a joke. Tank it because Ziff is selling to Middle Eastern interests who are building their Abu Dhabi pool, uh, and will they don't need this World Surf League? We'll just wreck it, right? Break it, and then let's rebuild it in pools. Let's rebuild it. We'll have a couple stops. We'll have one Abu Dhabi stop. You know, we'll do another pool. You know, in Qatar or in wherever, Bahrain, you know, pick. I, I I like a good conspiracy theory, but it doesn't hold up. I don't think that tanking the tour would actually uh, get them to that end result. I think that they misunderstood the business so drastically that they just thought the pool was so phenomenal, so much better than the ocean that they were going to put it on tour and that would be the star of the tour. And then they could build out exactly what you're talking about. But yeah. I have heard that there is that uh, from a great source that Ziff is interested in selling and yeah. specifically has Middle Eastern buyers. I believe that. Live, live. Uh, exactly. Surf. Exactly. And I thought that was a fun idea. The All of that or like everyone reshaping the tour with whatever entity, like that's what they're trying to do to golf is just get, add some fire and Surfing, sure, why not? Uh, but the the pool angle and just that, I think it's really interesting to look at a pool for a few minutes, but it doesn't hold the the attention. The tricks that are done on a wave pool wave are not that interesting. The only thing mainstream, and they're still going for this mainstream thing, right? I think there's like two directions 
for the tour is like get the brands and the industry back involved and keep it like it was in that little heyday, maybe in like 90s to 2000 when we had rivalries and the quick pro and the billabong pipe master. I don't like the brands were showcasing their their time with the, the contest um, and their premier athletes are on the tour. Um, or it's going to go into some kind of like tank thing, wave pool tour circuit that I don't know. Well, nobody but, wants that. The The yeah. general public doesn't want that. They don't find it compelling. Core surfers don't want that. So there's no version where that ends up becoming what people are watching. I think people will surf in those pools and that's fun and that could be argued for. But what everybody wants, the layman and the core surfer is the top five surfers in the world surfing eight to 10 foot cloud break. That resonates full stop period. And it'd be pretty easy to figure out a business model to sell that. Here's the thing though. What if like when I was in Brazil, been to Brazil, David Lee Scales? No, I have not. Have you Travis Ray? I have not. I've tried many I'll, times. I'll Just tell never... you what, I, I was always shaking a fist at Kelly Slater for never going to Brazil as a, and I still am, but it from the West coast, getting to Brazil is like as hard as getting anywhere in the world. It is really? so bizarrely and possibly hard to get to Brazil. Yeah. You got to fly East coast first. Cause there's nothing West coast to Brazil. And then the flights that are leaving from the East coast are all weird. So you go, I mean, I'm sure there's a better way to do it, but everything I checked, it's like roughly a, a 20 odd hour, you know, to get to Rio, I think you can find one for like 15 hours, but if you're going or Sao Paulo, maybe, but if you're going anywhere aside from Sao Paulo or Rio, then it's another way. It's at like at least a 23 to 26 hour transit time, which you can get anywhere in the world, literally yeah. anywhere in the world for 23 or 26 hours, or you can get so to Brazil. We did not mention at the top, but we missed last week's show. We apologize for that. Um, Very sorry. It, was all th- it was all three of our faults. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we all canceled. <laughs> we all canceled. Uh, we had the best of intentions. We postponed 24 hours and then decided to cancel. I had my own travel hiccups and Chaz was having that with Brazil. Travis had a family emergency. So, um, but as a recap, we should talk about Brazil. How was Brazil and how was your, what was the purpose of your travels? I mean, the purpose of my travel is to go find Eric Logan because that was the last that anybody had ever seen Eric so Logan in Brazil. I was committed to the cause. And it was weird though, because it just so happened that uh, a great friend ha- was just getting married at the time that I was looking for Eric. So then I attended the wedding as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was convenient that you happened yeah, to It was really deputy. weird. I was like, they're looking. And then I just heard somebody said, hey, did you hear Kimberly's getting married? And I was like, what, where? They said Salvador. So <laughs> I puzzled up Salvador and yeah, snuck in to her voodoo wedding. So did she live there or did, was this a destination wedding? This was not, a, I would not have gone if it was a destina- destination wedding. I would have just kept looking for Eric Logan. Okay. Uh, I am not a destination wedding. Like if you want to get married somewhere exotic, great. Like have at it. Uh, but anyway, no, her husband is now husband is Brazilian and doesn't have a couldn't get a visa so got it had to be in brazil got it maybe we should go surf manhattan the three of us we for sure the next four to five days like just we sit on it a hundred percent a little bump he's for sure there i'd be okay never surfing manhattan again (laughs) in my life same but for journalism you guys we have to bring this back i went Uh, all the way to brazil i can at least go to manhattan beach 
we can do it under the guise of a celebration because Chaz is coming up on his 5,000th article on beach grit. Believe 5,000 David Lee scales. Guess you what? I have, a, I have, I have an anniversary of my own. What? Sunday this past week was 10 years since I published my first episode of surf splendor podcast. Wow. How many I, Congrats. 10 years? 10 years. Yeah. I didn't even acknowledge it or realize it. We forgot to celebrate. And then I realized a couple of days after I was like, oh my gosh. Well, now it's years. time. Now it's time so, to celebrate. Well, we, we need to do a joint party. We do. We could, we should throw out, oh, we should bring ourselves to the party that's already happening in the U.S. Open of Surfing at the factory. I love it. Yeah, there Let's you go. do it. We're meeting there. Chaz, you remember some of our U.S. Open days. I believe you met your wife. Of uh, course. Good things I, happen at I, the U.S. Open. People make fun of the U.S. Open. And I think there's obviously, if we, if we learned one thing from Eric Logan, it's that making fun of stuff is a good 75% of what's enjoyable about surfing. And so <laughs> yeah. you go to the U.S. Open, there's a bunch to make fun of. There's the Huntington hop, there's the surfing itself, there's the crowd, there's everything. And then there's like, you can make fun of stuff with your best friends in places yeah. that are beautiful, where there's surf films playing, where you have 805 cold 805 beers at the, at the ready, tacos. I mean, US Open of Surfing, again, for those who shine it off as like an abhorrent thing, US Open of Surfing every time is like, if you go and commit to it is really, really, really fun. You just got to go to the right places. And which again, if you're going to wander around the hot sand and look at, I don't even know, do the, do the kids still write on their skin? Like, Oh, I'm sure they comments? do, but I, there was, it peaked. <laughs> I, I hope it peaked at some point. There was somebody sent me one the other day. It was awful. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> they, they, I think when Hurley backed out because it got too much for them to handle, at, yeah. I think it peaked with when MGMT played, there was like right. 100,000 people on yeah. the beach and then they all came and started tipping the porta potties over and danced with 82 riots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't quite get there, but they, and then everyone vanished and now it's sponsored by like a crypto company. So Wallace. it's got no face and we can, uh, you know, take it back. I yeah. think that's what we're trying to do. Here's what's so bizarre. Wallax has seven Instagram followers. Amazing. Oh God. Totally <laughs> real, right? It's a, it's a Singapore-based <laughs> company, I, I discovered. A Singapore-based okay. digital wallet company. So nobody's ever heard of it before, right? Uh, presumably, no. it's just a venture capital-backed thing. They've got a bunch of cash that they have to spend on marketing because that's the way that works. And so easy grab, easy money grab for WSL. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think but, the WSL, I was thinking about this. Does the WSL actually sell sponsorship for the US Open? Do they actually own the US Open of Surfing or do they just own the surfing portion of it? I don't know if they own the US Open of Surfing, but they it is a WSL sanctioned event. I oh, I, I think it's owned by IMG, in fact. Oh, yes, okay. yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. It's IMG. And it's, yeah, it's changed hands many times. And um, I'm trying to think what, yeah. I wonder if the, if the value could be such that eventually uh, Inherit Bummer and Beach Grit and the Surf Splendor Podcast Network could pool our resources and buy the U.S. Open of surfing. I mean, that's my long-term goal here. We're, <laughs> we're, we're basically planting our our flag in the Pacific in the, City this in next the week. hot sand? Perfect. Um, um, 
What's weird about that Wallex thing, though, is, I mean, everything, it feels robot to me, the whole entire exchange. But I checked, WSL posted an Instagram where, you know, they have a million followers and they tagged Wallex in it. So I clicked over to look at it and I'm like, wow, they have six followers. That's very (laughs) bizarre. Three days later, they did another post and tagged them again. So I clicked over and looked, seven followers. So with two posts, they only gained one follower it doesn't make any sense at all i mean i was thinking about wallex though like wallex has probably never had even though this is small potatoes here this is three bros talking on a podcast wallex has probably never been the name wallex has probably never been said as much as it's been said during this podcast right here so money well spent there was a boardroom meeting actually at the wsl where they said it eight times so (laughs) they're beating us by one that's um, so good. Well, WS, or I'm sorry, the US Open of Surfing is also a great place to see pros in the wild. It sure we is. We have new pros in the wild submissions from listeners over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Travis, are you familiar with this segment of the show? Um, a little bit. Listeners call in, they write in to explain encounters with professional surfers in the wild. Um, some of them are funny. Some of them are incredible acts of surfing we never know what we're going to get but buell is going to give away a wetsuit to the number one story at the end of the month which i think we'll announce i we're not going to do it today but we'll announce it on monday i think is the end of the month and what what is our what is our poll position leader at this point is mike mike from encinitas when he was out at big pupukea for him and mike ho gifted gifted him a wave actually called him into it and mike from encinitas had to like really confront his own limitations but he was getting called in by mike ho so he had to go and he got a sick wave yep beautiful so that's the current front runner i've got way more than i can possibly uh play or read so i think we're going to make this an ongoing theme and maybe we can do it again next month and even if buell doesn't want to give away the wetsuit we'll pay for it and we'll give away another wetsuit next month Uh, you know what i'm gonna do I'm going to buy my wetsuit that I give away if we have to give it away using Buell 25 or whatever, Surf Splendor 25, because you get to save 25%. Like, I mean, they're basically paying you to take a wetsuit. You so can't afford what, not to. I'm, yeah. Can't afford uh, not to. I, believe it or not, I can one up you right now. This week, they're doing 50% off. What? How does Buell stay in business? I, I don't no understand. I it's, it's, it's Buell Grit 50. 50% off anything on their website. I mean, you're literally printing money to buy websites. I, I know. So Dang. even Mike in Encinitas, who's in pole position right now, Mike, go buy whatever you need. And then we'll give you one addition to that if you win. But don't sit on that 50% deal because you might not win. Um, Travis, are you down to stick around for Pros in the Wild? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Uh, go ahead. Do you, have, do you have a hard out at a certain time or? No, no. Okay, cool. All right, Eric in Santa Barbara, quote, it's winter in Santa Barbara 17 years ago on a seriously cold morning, the kind of frost on the north side of the fences morning. I drop off the kid at water polo at 6 a.m., huge no barrel, by the way, then head to the beach just to walk the dog. Easy parking right near the water in Montecito that time of day. The sun is barely up. You can see your breath, not a hint of swell, and it never breaks there anyways. Uh, No one else is around anywhere in sight, not even other dog walkers until I see one guy. I thought it was a harbor seal at first 
one guy in the shore break under knee high in board shorts, somehow managing to catch and body surf tiny waves in 55 degree water with 45 degree air. Who the hell is this kook? I say, I say to myself, chuckling at what I'm witnessing. You see this kind of cracked out behavior in Ventura, but not Montecito. Oh shit. Wait a second. Laird. Tom Curran. Tom oh Curran yes. <laughs> he walks across the sand, puts his sweatshirt on and hops on his mountain bike and rides off. I write this to you in 2023, the era of ice baths and expensive in-home cold plunges. And lo and behold, Tom Curran was cold plunging at least 17 years ago for free in the wild. Now who's chuckling? I'm giving this one number one. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. I mean, and this is so Tom Curran. It's so Tom Curran. Dude, Curran, you can guess what would be like, we know what Tom Curran's like, guess a wild Tom Curran story. And then you hear one in the wild and you're like, nope, that's actually crazier than what I would have scripted. Yep. You know, like it's just more bizarre. It's yeah. so good. That is so good. Is that, are you, are you not liking that one as well as Mike Ho? I like it. I, I love it. Yeah. The Mike Ho one is great, but you know, it's, you know, getting called in by a legend is happens here and there, but I don't know. Just like the, they like the seeing the Yeti or something like Tom Curran in the short break, not doing like Tom Curran things. Just yeah. I saw surfing. Tom, you know, those um, board writer contests that Californians are doing. Yeah. Like I went to one in Ventura where it was like the strongest North wind blowing the waves were one foot, like awful. Like, just like, why are they doing these events? If this is what it looks like. And I, I just stopped by and who do I see, but Tom Curran, like in a Jersey, like, you know, when you go to like a really humble surf contest and you kind of look at it and you're like, it's kind of sad. It's kind of grim looking like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a tent. It's windy. Everyone looks miserable. And you know, a guy on a megaphone is like, it's just a sad sort of like display. Grim is right. Um, and Tom Curran's like surfed his heat and is walking back up the beach, you know, with like a cool board and a Jersey, just looking very, a humble surfer for his heat in whatever, you know, post 50 years old. He is at this I point. love it. I love that he's, he's, he's making a board riders contest. He, he I don't even know. I don't even know if he like gave his Jersey back. It was like, he like wandered through and, and then like just took back off and, just dissipates into molecules. And yeah, it was just, and I think my wife was like, "Who? Who's that?" And I'm like, "That is the most stylish man in the world." <laughs> um, like, okay, the next one comes Santa Barbara adjacent from Todd Inventura. He says, "Hey, David and Chaz, here's my pros in the wild story. Happened decades ago, but I still remember it like it was yesterday." It was winter, early afternoon, Santa Ana winds blowing, howling offshore at a Ventura beach break that I surf regularly. It was firing with overhead A-frames up and down the beach. While I was on the sand getting ready to paddle out, I noticed Willie Morris, an old O'Neill-sponsored pro from back in the day, rest in peace, out there throwing buckets, leaving me absolutely frothing. I paddled hard, scanned the lineup. There was about 15 to 20 guys out, including Willie and Tom Curran who was coming off of a big win somewhere that I had read about in a magazine that same day. I catch two or three waves in the first few minutes and I'm feeling really good. The perfect peaks making it super easy for my intermediate uh, surfing at best. Then a set approaches. There's a little bit 
that's a little bit bigger than most that day. And somehow it's just me and Curran in position. The first wave is just a bit walled and Curran is maybe 15 yards up the line. I feel like I'm in the perfect position for the right. So I take a couple of strokes in, look over and he's paddling. So I go, perfect. He's going left, I'm going right. You could probably guess what happens next. I drop straight down the wave, lean hard onto my bottom turn, look out the corner of my eye and there's Curran right there. Oh shit. I turn hard to go straight out the back of the wave, making the quick transition to kicking out onto sitting on my board. And I whip my head around to look at back at the wave. And Curran had to have surfed right at my tracks because I look back and all I see is his Channel Islands thruster two feet from my head going 12 o'clock into the lip and then the entire lip being dislodged into the air and the spray, the buckets of spray landing right on my head. I paddle back out into lineup. A couple minutes later, he comes cruising by, thought about apologizing or congratulating him on his most recent contest win, but all I could do is bow my head as he is, of course, uh, as he, of course, silently paddles by. Yep, I was feeling like a kook and he was Tom Curran. Oh, epic. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. That is a good pro in the wild right there. But how does that They're compare? So well to... written. I know. So well written. That's a people, uh, the pros in the wild, like people, it's the best part. It, like the people who write in, I mean, people who call also, like nobody ever calls and just like, uh, and then um, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, like everybody is like prepared. It seems like most of them are scripted, like the, the work. I mean, David Lee and I also often get credited for our work, but the and by credit, they never for say it, good, I mean, they people, never say good work or anything. They're just like keep up the work. People thank keep us for up. our work, uh, but our listeners actually do good work. Like it is good quality work every time. It's better than it's our. So work. rare, it's rare far. these days. Yep. When you see the you know the the comment, the bloody comment sections, and yep. I will I will pat ourselves on the back for that one thing, which is fostering the community. Yep. Through mediocre work, but showing up every week, the community <laughs> has fostered. Persistence. Um, okay. This one comes from Aaron on the North Shore. It's not Tom Curran this time. By the way, does that dislodge Curran's body surfing? I really like it, but I still like, I because I like if if uh, Curran's body surf had happened, um, you know, last week or last year, then it would not have been the best because as exactly pointed out, the cold plunge, the ice bath is a thing. Then it wasn't a thing and he wasn't doing it to be cool or to be healthy. He was just, that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So I'm staying, I'm sticking with that one. I like it. I agree. Uh, this one is a bit longer, but uh, hey, David and Chaz, my name is Aaron and I'm reaching out from the beautiful North shore of Oahu where I transplanted myself over 20 years ago. Side note, I almost feel like anyone on the North shore shouldn't be allowed to contribute to this segment because we are constantly surrounded by the world's best pro tour surfers, local legends, former pros, you name it. Over the years, I've had a ton of memorable encounters with legendary surfers and there are, uh, and there's one encounter worth discussing because it altered my perspective on how a wave can be surfed and my perspective on one of the most famous surfers of all time, Laird Hamilton. Right. And although this encounter occurred 15 years ago, I can recall it vividly. Now to put this into context, 
uh, I was in high school. It was the mid nineties. A friend of mine had showed me those strapped VHS surf videos of the whole Maui crew towing giant jaws. Of course, I already know who knew who Laird Hamilton was, and I was aware of his windsurfing prowess. And of course I had seen the movie North shore a million times, but seeing how much better of a tow surfer Laird was than anyone else. And seeing those huge barrels he got and those big power carbs really made me realize he was very special and worthy of an all-time legend status in the realm of toe surfing. If you consider the surfing that he did at Jaws in the mid-90s, and then, of course, the Millennium Wave as Chopu, uh, at Chopu, it's hard to argue he wasn't the greatest toe surfer ever. Maybe Kai Lenny has dethroned him the last few years, but Laird had a 30-year run. Not bad. Another bit of context, stand-up paddling was exploding in Hawaii at the time, and tons of uh, unskilled people were going out into larger surf and crowded lineups and wreaking absolute havoc. So while I had, was admired Laird's talent, I also blamed Laird completely for the entire S surf SUP plague. Anyways, my story takes place on Kauai. I was surfing a playful four-foot reef with about 15 locals. Everyone was getting their share. All of a sudden, Laird shows up on this huge stand-up paddleboard, and I couldn't believe it. This freaking guy had a full iPod strapped to his thick bicep with waterproof headphones on. I had seen joggers with this kind of setup, but in a surfer in the ocean? Never. He came out and wasted no time going to work. This freaking guy just starts doing circles around the lineup. He never stopped moving. He'd catch a wave to do those dumb stand-up paddle turns, putting the paddle behind him to mimic a layback because that's really all you can do on those big, dumb boards. He'd kick out, paddle back out immediately, make a right turn past everyone, and be on the very next wave, come big or small, and he would stroke right past everyone to do it again and again, all while freaking wearing headphones in the ocean. And maybe this was more... Uh, and maybe what was more annoying was that the locals all seemed to know him and that they weren't even bothered that uh, he was doing this. They weren't cheering him on. They'd be hooting, yeah, Laird. But of course he couldn't hear him because he had freaking headphones on in the ocean. <laughs> to this day, I've never seen another surfer be so oblivious to others in the water. So we're on this beautiful tropical island in the middle of the Pacific. And you could see these magic waterfalls and these majestic green mountains in the background. A perfect, nuggety, clean four-foot uh, day. And this entitled freaking douche is hogging all the waves while listening to his iPod. So now I'm like, screw this guy. I don't care about his legend Jaws towing status or pioneering hydrofoil bullshit. Beyond that, he's a selfish douche and I'm burning him on the next wave. And then he did something that completely retarded my angst. This perfect set wave comes in. And surprise, surprise, guess who's on it again for a 16th wave in a half an hour. But from this, from the moment of the approach, something was different. The wave was steeper. It was a double up, double up building right on the takeoff. But counterintuitively, Laird isn't paddling as fast as he normally was. Who's paddling way slower. I was baffled and I couldn't figure out why he wasn't paddling harder to avoid the steep drop that the uh, on that big, dumb SUP. He was liable to miss the wave entirely or at the bare minimum get pitched, which is what I was dying to see. He then shuffles his feet forward to the front of the board. He is now on the top of the wave, barely any forward momentum, and his board is seesawing on the crest of the ledging overhead lip. At this very precarious moment, in front of 
all 15 gawkers, he calmly gives one last mediocre paddle and then shuffles his feet all the way into a cheater five. The lip pitches the back of his board towards the beach and he slides backwards down the drop on the nose of his board. 180s so that all of uh so that by the time he is in the trough he is facing the beach and shuffling backwards towards the normal stance and his board completes the 360 a completely flawlessly executed helicopter helicopter takeoff on a big dumb sup there was no stumbling no excessive leaning towards one side or the other he was in complete control the entire time all while being serenaded by his ipod Probably that, hey, now you're an all-star, get your game on, go play song. <laughs> he spun the whole board around in about two seconds and kept going like nothing happened. Now, look, I'm not a big fan of high-performance longboarding, and I remember seeing those helicopter moves done in the 90s and thinking it was pretty hard to do, but really kind of gimmicky. But to do one on a takeoff, on a dumb SUP, uh, on a wave with some juice with absolutely flawless execution. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is, was and still is the most radical thing I've ever seen in the sport of surfing. And I've seen some crazy stuff in person on the North Shore over the past 20 years. I can't emphasize enough how impressive it was. Pure mastery by a master of the ocean uh, on boards, if there ever was one. I left the water thinking he may be a dick in the water, but this guy is one of the most skilled surfers on the planet. At that point, I truly believed only one guy on earth could have done what he did. I hate to say it, but he went up several notches in my book after seeing that. He would go on to drop down again over the next decade of stupid stuff like not acknowledging paddle surfing at Jaws um, or colliding and then breaking the arm of a surfer during that Hurricane Marie swell at Malibu. But that helicopter takeoff was freaking gangster. That's my story. Sorry it was so long. Keep work. Aaron on the North Shore. Aaron, send Aaron a wetsuit. Send, I don't know if it, I don't know if it beats that one right there. It was like a film, like a rise and fall of I like want, emotion. Yeah, you gotta hit hit Aaron back and uh see if I can I want to publish that in full on Beach Crip. Okay, that'd be amazing. I think he would love that. Yeah, okay. I'm he, trying to hire him, he's publishing yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was he, great. He insisted his last name not be used because he still lives on the North Shore and he's like, I just don't want to catch flack for this. But <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I mean, I can just, yeah, you if Aaron's cool. Uh that that story is going up. That I don't know how we I don't think we can beat that. I can't wait to hear more pros in the wild, but I've, I don't I've know. Got, I've got two more if you guys are up for it. I'm up for it. It's I gotta I gotta leave these are so well done. FYI. You got, you got what? Uh I gotta leave at 11:15. So I might have to turn over my barrel and awe duties to Travis Frey. I'll tell you what, then let's save yeah. the last two and we'll go uh, do barrel or not together. How does that okay. sound? Actually, we've got to do trust in us too with Sunbum. So let's do a trust in us, then we'll go barrel or not. Great. All right. Trust in us brought to you by Sunbum. Travis, we trust in the bum for all of our skincare, sun care, hair care needs. Sunbum.com has it all. And so because we trust in the bum, listeners trust in us. They write in, ask for advice. And uh, here's today's submission. Yo, David and Chaz, I indoctrinated my two boys by semi-forcing them to watch the North Shore. Recently, the elder boy said something about the movie that really struck me. He said, yeah, it's a bad movie. Or it's not a bad movie. But too bad they messed up the ending. I frowned. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's a bummer that Rick Kane leaves to go to art school. I mean, he loves surfing so much and he found this girl that he loves and friends 
couldn't he just have studied art in Hawaii? And bam, that hit me hard. Why, yes, it certainly is a bummer. I realized I, um, I always realized that the ending was kind of a bummer, but I just went along with it. So please advise, did Rick Kane blow it by leaving Hawaii to go to art school in New York or uh, Hawaii, or was Hawaii just a romantic detour on an otherwise prudent path? And did the writers botch one of the greatest films ever made? I mean, I think it's quite obvious that Rick Kane utterly blew it. I thought that too at the time of watching. Like, what are you doing? You have, you're like dating Sam George's ex-wife for one, which I mean, that's pretty epic right there, right? Uh, you, got, you got Turtle as your bestie. You're like a classic, you know, ride or die kind of bro. You've got your mentor that you're still going to learn from, which, you know, I think the opposite, now that I think about it, you know what the correct version of North Shore is? Tell me. The John Pizel story. John Pizel went to Hawaii, never came earned back. his craft, <laughs> found his way. And the only problem with John Pizel's story is that he never dated Sam George's ex-wife. But aside <laughs> from that, yeah, that means Pizel is the correct. They should redo North Shore with John Pizel. I think Pizel found his own Keani, though. Well, I mean, there's only happened, one Sam happened George's to not ex-wife. be Sam George's ex-wife. <laughs> George's ex-wife. I I have to disagree, though. I think uh, picturing Rick Kane, you know, swaggering off to art school in New York after you know his his run at Pipe is and you know everything he went through to all the boards. He's he probably did pretty well in New York, right? I mean, I want to see true. a part two. I want to see. I mean, true. I'm 40. He's probably now he's probably you know, graphic designers at all the parties, swaggering around, North I mean, yeah, Shore stint, done. The art thing, like he probably would have made a lot of money in the 80s then. Like, and yeah, the you know, 80s is hot in New York. We're yeah, that's, oh, off. dang, Travis just fully, yeah, he, could, he would have been. I mean, the North Shore out of his looks mind. the same as it did and then more or less he could go back. That's true. With a, with a compound that he built because of what he, did and it's like uh, people should trust in Travis they shouldn't trust in us that is a wise to that point New York in the 80s would have been an incredibly I mean it was it was inexpensive there was tons of crime there was all sorts of the seediness you had had an actual office yep well look at what David Carson did yeah the guy uh he you know maybe he David Carson's story is is the Rick the, Kane uh, story. Rick Kane story. He's got a compound in the Bahamas that <laughs> jets back and forth, surfing well, now, his own private wave. I think there's only one way to settle this, is that we have to have or stage a cage match between John Pizel and David Carson to see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who's living better. <laughs> um, well, you know, there's one definitive expert on the film, The North Shore, and that would be Devin Howard. So I had to get Devin to chime in on this. And Devin said, Total nah. Are you kidding me? Hawaii is paradise on earth, especially late 80s, early 90s, North Shore. Kiani would be anyone's dream girl. Beautiful, nurturing, loving, fierce. Sandra's ex-wife. What are you thinking? <laughs> bailing on that catch. Most people come out of art school in debt and never make it in art. So why not just be a struggling broke-ass surfer, at least getting barreled and living an unreal life with a babe? If you were 
if you were that good at art, you can skip the school and make it on your own like many people have. I agree with this guy's kid. He was spot on and he may in fact have a future in screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good take. It's a, that's yeah. a romantic take. It's, it's a, a tough one though. It is a tough one. Travis Frey did though open my eyes to New York in the 80s. I think As that there's eye. really an opportunity for a sequel here. That's where this needs to go. Yeah, that's Isn't, true. There's like a, there's like, there's like a quote. I think it's like Andy Warhol letting Danny Kwok into a party because he's like, let's let all the surfers in first. Oh, yeah. And they like walk them all, all the like 80s bros uh, past the line. Oh, yeah. And, and Andy Warhol just wanted like surfers in his party. I like Kwok that's, was that, there. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm romanticizing this. I like a little it. bit. I, I like the connection too, back to Inherent Bummer Factory. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to throw to a commercial break so that we can hear from linkedin.com slash surf. And then we will be back with Barrel or Not to close us out. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chaz and Travis, we're back to close was, out the show. I really hope that Eric Logan is using LinkedIn right now. Do you think he is? 
actively? <laughs> we must. <laughs> I think I have you a mean, few alerts actually. You mean LinkedIn.com slash surf? Exactly. Because uh, if I'm there's no way Eric Logan is not getting another surf job. He's tasted it, right? His yeah. motto still on Instagram is like live your life one wave at a time or something. The only way you do that is in the surf industry, man. So Eric Logan, get on LinkedIn.com slash surf and find your next dream surf job. I was on LinkedIn announcing my candidacy for WSL CEO. I don't know if you guys saw that post I did on Inherit Bummer, but I immediately announced my candidacy and I was upset that Stab didn't call me and put me in the running of their mood. So I am a long shot candidate for sure, but I, my hat is in the ring and my campaign and what I'm running on is on the site. So you can go find my, uh, my campaign, my five point plan. I vote for Travis. Um, all right. We'd have so, fun. so barrel or not, of course, always brought to you by Buell, but use Buell grit 50 for that wetsuit 50% 50. off, um, coming out of all of our travel this last week, barrel or not drinking in the airport, regardless of time of day. So let's say early morning. This so is barrel? the easiest one ever. <laughs> so big this barrel. Deep, huge spit barrel. The, the only thing to do in the airport, in fact, is drink. If you have like, that is that's what airports are for. And it's a beautiful airports, especially let's be honest about travel these days. Did you have a seamless travel experience? David Lee scales? No way. I was traveling with a kid, dude. He cried for 90 minutes on the plane. Not just that, but like where your planes all on time. No flight got delayed. Of course. Like there's no such thing as a seamless travel experience anymore. You are guaranteed a massive delay, a cancellation, a minor delay. You're uh, lost bag. You're guaranteed something. Uh, the only good thing about traveling anymore is that once you step foot in the airport, time officially stops and you can drink anytime you want. That's that's the only good thing about travel. Yeah. That's the PSA that we need to deliver is that you're in a time warp in the airport and all rules are out the window. I had a, uh, I think it would have been 4.30 AM to my body, frosty cold Heineken in uh, Sao Paulo airport. I drank a beer on, go ahead. No, uh, I've been at Long Beach airport, which is like near to my house, a a 7am flight and been sipping on, uh, which is like a, not a busy airport. You know, those, you feel a little weird. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah. I I hit a beer. Normalize, normalize 7am drinking in airports. Long Long Beach airport is the greatest airport on the planet and has, so they've invited local mom and pop restaurants that are, you know, well-known in Long Beach into the airport to have a little pop-up version there. And it's incredible. That's yeah, it's San Diego it feels like too, the seventies. Yeah. I want to wear a suit when I'm walking through there. It's yeah, got that like travel has a, has a point and it has pride attached to it. Um, okay. Barrel or not number two, using punctuation in text messages. Oh, so God. barrel, so barrel. Like I, I use wrong punctuation, but you got to use punctuation. What'd you say, Travis? I was, I, last night, I think I sent a text to someone and I had a period at the end. And I, I think I asked my wife, am I, I had a, the crisis of like, what am I saying with this period? Like I've never debated the period, simple statement. It looked weird without it though. But it also, if, if you read it, it could be too stern. Um, this is a tough one for me, but I went punctuation. So as an adult, barrel, as an adult, as an adult, you have to, my, uh, I, yeah, I had to text one of my daughter's friends or something on her phone. She was going to be busy. And I said, Hey, I'm just going to, I'll tell him you're busy or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. and she said, okay, but don't, 
what did she say? She said, don't text flat or something. And I was like, what does that mean? Whoa. It was basically don't, you know, use the, use the BRB, whatever. Use the code. Of, yeah. Use, use the, the code. code. Uh, but I'm an adult male. So I text flat. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to BRB. I'm supposed to, I'll be right back period. Yeah. I think this is a real indicator of our age. Cause I agree with you full punctuation because I receive a text message from my younger brother and I have to invest three times as much effort as he put into writing the text just to decipher the meaning of the text because he did not include punctuation. Yep. And then I get pissed at him. And out of spite, even if I think I know what he means, out of spite, I reply back asking what he means, forcing yep. him to then participate 50-50. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I will go through the effort of I'll smash in a text and then realize I misspelled something or missed a punctuation take my fat finger, get the cursor, move it to the part that I want, delete, delete, add back and like take the effort because I want the recipient to be able to have a seamless reading experience. And I think all other humans should be the same way. I hear you. I, if, if, and when your autocorrect goes out of control, friends and I have a name for that. It's Naveen, the uh, tech worker over in the subcontinent somewhere who is actively reading texts and screwing up meaning by changing words and all naveen is a real jerk like no. ducking changing yeah. it to ducking ducking yeah exactly yeah. yeah all right well final barrel and all comes directly from donovan frankenrider's instagram post a week or two ago cutting off your jeans to surf it's the most uncomfortable thing ever mm, i've if tried that, it i have done it did you cut them off to surf uh were you, you stuck like, without a suit somewhere i think i no i think i had like an era where i was just like the summer i was wearing shorts and i thought i would be alex nost or something and just yeah rolled from the car to the beach experience to the waves to back and like tried to not care yeah um i hear you and i think i cared by the time my jeans never dried they're probably still wet yeah. you know, like mildew <laughs> or something it's not functional for surfing it's uncomfortable I was watching Donovan do it and I'm like, this is strictly a gimmick because he has to play the character of Donovan at this point. Exactly. But you're, you're in Southern California. He was in San Diego in a parking lot. There are board shorts available for purchase within 100 yards of you. Even if you forgot your own, you can and, go buy them right and, now. And, and are you kidding? Donovan didn't, did, Donovan did not forget. You don't forget no. board shorts. Like no. I understand I was whatever in Palm Springs, I do believe, and had, had forgotten a bathing suit trunks and so and didn't want to go buy a full pop one so went to a thrift shop and there just happened to be a pair of cutoff cords corduroys and they were like four dollars so i bought those thinking who cares i don't care but that was like not a style move that was a those cost four dollars and yeah. i don't want to buy a pair of trunks because i have them at home i just forgot them donovan being and also playing into your archetype is silly like if yeah, if Rob Machado was everywhere forever throwing peace signs and eating acai and being mellow, man, that would be lame too. You don't play, you just be yourself. You don't play into your character that has been yeah. crafted. Yeah, I'm going yeah. full no barrel on this one. It doesn't Donovan. serve any function at all. And by the way, it doesn't even look cool. Like it's not like it's a particularly great look. It just looks stupid. Stinking did he dominant. he he like found himself at the beach without the trunk without anything and he just wore cut his jeans off that was the story on his the inside the instagram post is a video of him cutting off the jeans laughing at, with a friend like oh we're so wild like we were in this bind and here's the solution we're gonna go surfing okay. 
Yeah, just go, anything I mean, like that that happens in Encinitas is it feels like a gimmick. Oh, like goodness. Goodness. I, mean, I, I can't imagine maybe donovan does not wear underpants but just go surfing in your under go surfing in your boxers or your that would be, briefs that would be a headline newsworthy headline <laughs> yeah. um, couldn't have been right. that good anyway no and so that brings us to the end Chaz has to go so inherentbummer.com travis anything else you need to say before we go no nah, just hopefully come hang out next week i hope to see Chaz there we we I'll definitely missed a few there. years of us open yep. and uh we used to do do it well I'm 100% um, coming. We'll mix in mix in some uh, whatever that bar we used to hang out at was. Great. Well, let's yeah, invite but, Joe uh, G over from Florida. Of course. The uh, Yeah, the Inherit Bummer Factory, third through the fifth. Come hang. Uh, celebrate his 5,000th article, too. Yep, it'll be there. Yeah. I'm going to time it. I'm going to time it for the U.S. Open, I think. Perfect. Yep. I think it should have been the Eric Logan article, but maybe you can get a... I'll get another one. Yeah, okay. Don't cool. worry. So, somebody sent me a nice meme of a man beating a dead horse. I think I'm going to get a tattoo. <laughs> All right, well, go to beachgrid.com to see what that 5,000th article is and surfsplendorpodcast.com to see everything that we discussed today and support the work. All right, until next week, boys. Bon voyage.